This week on episode 19 of the Diago Live podcast, we missed you. Thanks for dealing with us, or without us, for an entire week. We'll recap the Penguins' West Coast trip and how underwhelming it was. Nobody cares about the All-Star game, uh, and the NHL is not good at a whole lot. I'll take full responsibility for uh, the lack of a week there. I was unavailable. I was unavailable. So if you have hate mail, you can send it to patdamp at gmail.com. That's my email address. I'm Jesse Marshall, the Athletic Pittsburgh, uh, joined here for episode 19, as always, by Pat Damp of the Pens blog. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Jesse. How's it going? And Mike Darnay of Pensburg. Hello, Michael. Hello. Lots of pens and bergs and blogs. It's <laughs> every week to be able to wade through that in one take is really something I feel like we won't talk enough about. You're getting slowly but surely back to being Jesse one take. And you know what? It's exciting to see in front of our own eyes. I don't know when I left, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Um, so no hockey in a while. And uh, the all-star weekend is here. And does anyone care? I do not. I don't care. Uh, before recording, I was just telling Jesse, I did not realize the skills competition was Friday night until I woke up on Saturday morning. Yeah. Patrick, yeah. Okay, what about I mean, you? Are you glued to the television? I, w- I watched them both loosely. If by watched, it was background noise, but I had it on. Yeah. I, I was in and out. I'll be honest with you. That was that was that was my best. I mean, I, I had fun uh, sending some snarky tweets about the events and game, but other than that, I mean, I didn't really care to invest myself in actually watching it. Well, let me ask you this question: Was it cool when we were kids because it was better, or because we were kids? Maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, I was going to say a little column A, little column B on that. The spectacle. I remember. I remember as a kid watching Al McInnes. I was just gonna say that w- win the hardest shot competition with a punctured lung. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, and the spectacle of like it's hockey, but not really hockey, and I'm a kid. This is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I cared more about who made it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I think also when you were a kid. And you saw scores of 16 to 12 in a game. I mean, I, yeah. I still want scores of 16 to 12, but, you know, I can't get everything I want. Um, yeah, anyway, so here's the thing. Let's just get this out of the way <laughs> right out of the gate. Uh, you had the NHL royally screw – well, they well, first of all, whether whether the thing was exciting because we were kids or because it was better, I mean, I, if an entire generation of people think that, you've got to do something to re-engage those people. You know what I mean? Like that, the return for the National Hockey League here should be, uh, what did we do wrong with the with the All Star Game? And give them credit, I guess, for like at least trying new stuff, even though most of the time it sucks. You know, the jerseys this year were dope. They probably didn't have anything to do with that. You know, we know where I'm at. So, overall, you think about other sports. You want like the National Basketball Association. You want golf, tennis, football, soccer, whatever you whatever you want to think about. Baseball, home run derby, a home run derby, slam dunk competition, slam dunk competition. If you were going to have some of the premier women in the sport participate in the all-star skills competition how far out would you market that far and goddamn wide it's an untapped market right so it's like and especially so like it sucks because the mls sucks right so like full disclosure as a football fan i i know people a lot of people that listen to the show really enjoy the mls and good for them i like that you enjoy it i think that's great I just don't, right? I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people that don't and whatever. It's, you know, having Alex Morgan go to the MLS All-Star game, I would 100% watch. I would 100% watch. I would not be anywhere near as hyped about it as I would for it to occur in a hockey environment. 
Like, and I would 100% not miss the MLS All-Star game to watch Alex Morgan go out there and just make people look stupid. I would not miss that. Why is it that I found out about the NHL doing this like 30 minutes? <laughs> 30 minutes before it happens. And I'm nowhere because full disclosure, I planned on not watching. Especially because like Sidney Crosby gets sick. Ugh. I started to feel sick. I caught, <laughs> I caught what he had, you know, telepathically or whatever. So I was just checked out. I wasn't going to watch it. And then I find this out and I'm, I find out, you know, oh, well, that would have been nice to know like yesterday at least. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. The, I mean, I mean, I was gonna say I had to work Friday night, so I didn't wasn't planning on watching anyway. But I still knew nothing about it until after it was already over. So here's the other thing, Jesse, and we'll get into the stuff with Kendall Coyne and Brianna Decker. But I'm watching, quote unquote, watching the skills competition pregame, right? And they say, and um, Catherine Tappan says, okay, coming up next, we're going to have Kendall Coyne and Brianna Decker from the United States Women's Olympic team who won gold this past year in Pyeongchang. So stay tuned to hear an interview with them. Okay, I watched every game of the U.S. women's team in the Olympics. I want to see what they have to say. And then like you said, they go, by the way, Kendall Coyne is going to be participating in the fastest skater event. And Brianna Decker is going to be participating in the passing competition. Awesome. Uh, okay, I'll pay attention for those events because I want to see how they do, regardless of how they do. So they get to fastest skater, which was the first event. She goes first. They time it, televise it, and it's right there. She ends up coming in second, I believe. And then... Smoked it, too, by and, the way. And then... For the, unbelievable. And then unbelievable. For the passing, apparently Decker was just the demonstrator. They didn't televise it. They didn't time it. You didn't see it. Like, why did they promo it in the pregame as this is the event Decker's going to be in? Like, and, and what – tell me this. What happened outside of, of her performance in the passing event? That was more important in the tele in the televised broadcast. That was more important than her passing event. <laughs> Probably a Geico commercial. No, and I was just saying, let's cut advertisements out of the equation. Because you can plan around that. It was probably probably Jeremy Roenick doing something. Stupid. I was just going to say yeah, that. That's I'm what I was gonna say too. going to yes, say, too. And, and full disclosure, I am saying this as someone who has no idea what happened during the broadcast. That's just an assumption based on the way NBC Sports and the NHL operate. And it, I, I just – it blows my mind. And we'll talk about – like I'm, I'm assuming you're building to the point where we're going to talk about her performance, right, Jesse? Yeah, take, take it away. So she apparently has the best time. She beat everybody out in the passing competition, which, by the way, if they're not discussing scrapping that next year, they're out of their goddamn minds. It sucked all the energy out of it. Even for someone who was passively watching the skills competition, there was some excitement through every event. There were a few things that happened that were worth keeping an eye on and being around for. As soon as that event started, Carlson goes first, and it took him nearly two minutes. Yeah. And it was like, why am I watching this? Like, it's borderline impossible. It's not fun. It's not entertaining. I'm watching a guy in real time get frustrated about something that doesn't really mean anything. So, wait, so Pat, tell them what you told me before we came on air. About Mike was looking at the layout of it and was like, "This looks ridiculously hard." Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, oh I remember. Yeah, I, remember, because like you didn't watch it. Oh, so. I, I couldn't remember what I told you before, but I remember now. Um, specifically, the middle segment where they had to shoot over the little barrier and into the mini net. The two that were basically with with wise the whole way across the sheet of ice. I'm like, that's pretty difficult even for very skilled players yeah. yeah and the fact that they said in the pregame show that Decker was going to be competing in that and then the fact that she has the best time in a damn near impossible event and then they don't fucking pay her like <laughs> yeah. are you Dude, kidding me I know, like, yeah and then they're like 
Oh, a lot. It was actually six seconds longer than what, you know. And not to mention, and not to mention, in the same in the same event, not, or, or the same overarching event, the whole skills competition, during the fastest skater, Pierre Maguire had the fucking balls to say to Kendall Coyne in an interview, you did great, and none of these guys here want to lose to you. Are you going to say that to fucking anyone else? Like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Like, they, like first off, you could have said that to any of them, regardless of gender. They're competitive athletes. They don't want to lose. Just because it's a girl doesn't mean you got to frame it that way, you prick. It was just so bad. And, and the, you know, like, I appreciate the spirit of, like, the, the You Can Play project, but it's just... Like when you look at it through the lens of this event, you're like, wow, <laughs> practicality means everything. And the fact that the day before at uh, Bettman's presser, he he goes up and says, well, you know, uh, diversity and inclusion remains a pillar of the National Hockey League. Is there a league I'm not aware of also gonna, named the NHL? Because I haven't gonna, fucking seen that. Diversity means everything. And we're going to prove it to you by not airing. A woman's performance in the passing competition tomorrow. And that's how important it is. And, and there's there was one other thing I kind of wanted to, to to talk about a little bit about the the uh, women's team players being there was just the fucking fragility. And I, I imagine the majority of the people that listen to our show are on the same side as us for this, but like if they aren't, they they're not listening by this point. No, (laughs) but Oh my God. Like people saying like, wow, Decker and coin are really good. And they're like, well, they could, they could never play in the NHL. I don't want to like this. Like, like, are you just that? Are you just that scared that your no girls allowed clubhouse is going to have a girl in it for five minutes? Like get, get real dude. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Jesse, the NHL is not good at most. <laughs> no, at most things. I mean, I hate to use this example because it's years old by this point, but I always go back to when they had Def Leppard as the musical guest. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like probably what? I would say probably 2008, like 2008, like 2008 to 2010. Probably somewhere in there. It was in that realm. Yeah, and they put the Stanley Cup, they, they carried it out. The lead singer carried it out, and then they put it down cup side up. Put it, you put it <laughs> like down the wrong down. way? Yeah, they put, they put it down the wrong way. And it was like, and then you had this realization as a fan, you're like, hey, why am I watching Def Leppard? <clears throat> like, they had, it wasn't, there, there was no reason for them to be the musical performance. I guess Train was unavailable. Yeah, Train was unavailable, Fallout Boy was on tour, and yeah, Panic at Fallout the Disco Boy was, was in the tour. studio. Well, I still I still remember the 2011 Winter Classic when they had Hinder. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah, that's my. right. Oh. Who did the Winter Classic in uh, Pittsburgh? Was it uh, Styx? No, 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 that was Hinder in 2011. That was Hinder? Yes. Yeah. I was there for that. No, I, I think I think they made And that shows s- how good of a performance they put on them. Okay, here's actually, the thing. Here's the thing. I was blackout drunk. Same. Same. However, I think we're both correct because I think Styx did um They performed before the, the game. Correct. Yeah. And and then um Hinder performed at uh one of the intermissions. I was probably eating chicken fingers. <laughs> Oh man! But like, it's just those Heinz Field spicy chicken fingers. Oh my god! If you're, real, if, you're, if you're if you're in a bad way, there's a picture of me on the internet somewhere with Penn's blog Adam dressed as Santa Claus at a Steeler game. And I got, <laughs> I and I was, that. yeah, I was wearing a uh, Heath Miller jersey, I think, and there was a big red splotch on the eight. <laughs> <laughs> as a, as a forever as a testament to how much I love those chicken fingers. Oh man. Anyway, do we want to talk about actual hockey now and not that? Um, yeah, well, anyway, shame on the National Hockey League, but it was it was really dope that that, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that Kendall Coyne and Brianna Decker showed up and like endured oh, that oh. for the for the better of. Humanity. Well, well there, there's also the aspect where the NHL said we are going to give them twenty five thousand dollars, except they have to give it to a charity. 
Yeah, <laughs> considering that twenty five grand is more than they make in the CWHL or the NWHL, like, come on, like, does Drysital really need that twenty five k? Like, I don't think he does. I don't. He is suffering through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, he can go to a pain and compensation lawyer later. Like, you know, we got to go. Hey, let's. That's a good transition. Let's get right into Peter Shirelli. Oh, that's right. He got fired yeah. when we took our break. I know. So, and and it's going to be, you know, RIP to a bunch of jokes, first of all. <laughs> like, all these little unborn jokes. Um, like the... We never got to tell about the, Peter Shirelli. The one-for-one one trades. Ugh. Hall for Larson. So, my question to you guys is, I equate it to, if you're driving, okay, and you're the passenger in the car, and you're sober but your friend behind the wheel is clearly drunk, <laughs> right? You got to take the keys away from them as quickly as you possibly can before something horribly, ha- like how, how did you even end up in this situation? First of all, this is a horrible analogy, but you know, you get the idea. Why did what, the Koskinen contract, did allowing Shirelli to execute that deal, which is so bizarre, mean that ownership also thought it was a good idea? Well, well, that was the thing. We, I believe we saw reporting from both angles. One report was that ownership was planning this for the past several months. The other report was that Shirelli was doing it by himself with the agent. So who do you believe? I mean, when it comes to the Oilers, how can I believe anybody involved? Like, what, I mean... To be fair, the the take I was also going to have talking about Shirelli and the Oilers is I don't think it was all just all on Shirelli. I think that there is a brain trust there that is horribly out of touch, and he's just the fall guy. I'm not defending any of his moves. Like, a lot of the moves he made. Oh, yeah, no, he's 100% culpable. I I mean, I know what you mean by fall guy, though, in that, like, somebody has to go. You can't get rid of ownership. You know, you you have to get rid of somebody. Which I think that's their big that's their biggest problem is Daryl Cates. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm gonna look into my crystal ball. Okay. If this actually comes true, I'll crap my pants. But I'm looking into my crystal ball and here's what I think they're gonna do next. Are you ready? Because they're now in a position where they're going to have to hire a general manager and a coach. Okay. Would conventional wisdom not tell you to hire the general manager first? Yes. To put coach Correct. on the back burner. Correct. Right. Yes. I think I think they're going to do it the other way around. Jesus Christ. Well, that's just a prediction. I have no like inside scoop here. My, I'm just thinking of ways they'll screw up next because you know it's going to happen. Okay, so, they're, so they're going to hire a coach, then hire a general manager who's going to fire that coach and bring in his own guy. No, I don't think they'll fire him. I think they're going to be forced to try to coexist. Oh, so it's like for the, for the GM job interview, question one, are you comfortable co- with – Blank as coach. coach. Right. If, if the answer is no, the interview's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll also look at who their interim GM is. It's Keith Gretzky. What has Keith Gretzky done other than be Wayne's brother? Yeah. And we, to be fair, though, we don't know what he was doing behind the scenes. A lot of people have said that, like, he's uber qualified for it. Um, and it's, an, you know. But but the, here's the, the thing. You, the you, over- have to, you have to have a permanent guy. If you're not like ride or die with Keith Gretzky, and I doubt they are. The over- you got to have. You can't go into the draft with with this situation. No, and the, and the overarching point I was getting at there is that the Oilers as a franchise are just all about nepotism more so than the rest of the NHL as a whole. Like if you were part of or tangentially related to the 70s Oilers you're in you're on the you're on the team man like bring it on in and most of these guys just the game has passed them by and it's just obnoxious yeah yeah and they have a guy on their team who you know defines what the modern era of national hockey league is all about and look what they've surrounded him with Right. The and, only oh, God. I was saying, and at what point does does Connor McDavid go full LeBron and become the shadow GM and coach? Like, yeah. like you guys have done nothing to help me, and I committed to you for twelve years, and this is what you do. Yeah, they'd probably be better off. <laughs> Couldn't be worse off. Yeah, I was going to say the only the only thing that surprised me about the uh, interim GM is that they didn't bring Craig McTavish back to be it. Yeah. 
I mean, we all know this. It ends up with them hiring Kevin Lowe, right? <laughs> Time is a flat circle. Um, so the other thing I wanted to mention about the Oilers is going into next season uh, via Cap Geek, it's uh, fifty-one thousand in projected cap space. Jesus Christ! So that is to me a testament. You know, the Flyers situation is a difficult one. Like rebuilding the Flyers is going to be difficult. There are going to be some shrewd, smart decisions that are going to have to be made. I mean, there's obvious ones, right? Like, you know, Andrew McDonald. Like, there's obvious ones, but then there's less obvious ones. But, you know, what do you do with a guy like Jakob Voracek? What do you do with Wayne Simmons right now? You know, it's like a critical point for them. The Oilers' job is so much more difficult because of that cap number and the fact that you literally have to just destroy it from the ground up. From well, the ground up, well, and are, I don't know. To your point about nepotism, I don't know that they're going to find somebody that's going to do that. Well, in, in two things on that. One, I love what Elliot Friedman said about Edmund being the next Edmonton GM, and how it's a lucrative position. The way he put it was, if I'm the Edmonton next Edmonton GM, I would take that over being Seattle's inaugural GM, because I'm I guarantee I have a nuclear weapon in Connor McDavid. Oh sure. Sure. The other thing, though, is comparing Edmonton to the Flyers, the being this, not to interrupt, Pat, but being the one in Seattle would be a hell of a lot more fun. Oh, yeah, it'd be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> but comparing Edmonton to the Flyers, the Flyers, it's an easy decision. It's an easy, not easy, but you're looking at a roster that has a handful of young guys and a handful of older guys, right? The basic premise there is okay we got to ship out most of the older guys and start building around the younger guys Edmonton it's just McDavid and a lot of eh, like there's nothing in Bakersfield the NHL roster is underwhelming at least in Philly there's some good prospects in the pipeline you have Carter Hart you have some guys in Lehigh Valley that are going to look to make the jump next year for Edmonton there's not much outside of Connor McDavid and um, Kaylor Yamamoto (laughs) I mean, looking at their defense picture, it's bad. Oh, yeah. I mean, outside of Oscar Clefbaum, who's injured, you're talking three more years of Adam Larson, three more years of Chris Russell, two more oh. years. Two more and years the Chris of Chris Russell one, that's the one that, like, every single person in the hockey community that had a brain was like, no. Yeah, two more years of Brandon Manning, two more years of Matthew Benning. And you know what? I, 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 go out and go after Brandon Manning. Yeah, yeah. They they actively they actively sought yeah. him out. They they gave and they gave up a college free agent that they got for nothing. That's managing your assets well. And well, I mean, I mean, speaking of asset management, you trade Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom. You then trade Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner, and then you waive Ryan Spooner. Yeah. And the, and the biggest issue with the Spooner thing is it, the, the the Spooner case is a great microcosm of what the Oilers were and are. I mean, we can't say were yet because we don't know what direction they're going. I do. <laughs> but they traded for him, acquired him, and then waived him like what? Two, two and a half weeks after getting him? They have no fucking patience. Like, they give up on prospects and players and acquisitions in no time. Like, it takes more than a few weeks, guys. Like, granted, we all know these, you know, people who actually know the game and aren't stuck in 1987 know these acquisitions are bad. But even to to them who are getting them, they don't try it. They just give up. Yeah. Um, So... Speaking of potential roster changes, trade deadline. It's a coming. Derek Broussard's last days as a penguin, I assume. Yeah, have to think so. Yeah, I mean, you got to figure, but I'm also with a mindset as of late. Like, who do you think takes them? Well, he's a center, so that is that drives you know yeah. that that that's good. <laughs> I mean, if, okay. Here, here's a here's a question. If they don't trade him, he can't play any worse, correct? So things can only get better. You have right? to hope. <laughs> I mean, I'm just 
grasping at straws here. And I don't think there's any legs to this whole Columbus stuff. I don't think the Penguins are trading him in a division. I just think that's insane. <clears throat> yeah, I think you have to find a fence. Like, you have to find a third party to come in and be the middle ground that, like, says, hey, trade. The old, the old Mark Streit deal. Yep. Or, or, or Derek Broussard a year ago with Vegas being the intermediary so he wouldn't go to Winnipeg. Yeah, true. Yeah, you just have to you have to find He it. may end up in Winnipeg after all. Yeah. Which was the report. Like he didn't want to go to Winnipeg last year and this year he's like, Well, I'm open to going to Winnipeg. So I don't know. And I, I'm also of the mindset that you brought up a couple weeks back, Jesse, that I don't think it's the worst idea if they go for a winger instead of a center, because I think that what they have right now with uh Shea and Cullen is fine for your center depth. Yeah, I don't think that you know, it, it, you know, it doesn't tip the scales in anybody's favor, but I mean, there's still, you know, you question the depth, but look at the end of the day, Nick Benino is the one I always go back to. People love Nick Benino. Riley Shane was better than him last year. I mean, peripherally speaking, he's got to score more. That's the one thing he hasn't gotten is the Nick Benino shooting percentage bump. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just, Benino had the unquantifiable quote unquote clutch factor. He scored huge goals at big times, so that overinflated the memory and value of Nick Benino. Like yeah. he scores an overtime game six goal to beat the Capitals to go to the conference final. So that's the f- front and foremost goal that people think of. Same with uh game one of the Stanley Cup final in twenty sixteen. So people Plus there's just that aura of the HBK line. Right. Yeah. So it, it kind of it warps the memory of a player's entire body of work because those are the first two things you think of, which makes you go like, well, you know, we don't have a center like that. It's like, well, no, we did. It's just he didn't have those defining moments. And, and um, Shane is creating more offense, not maybe being the, the, the primary finisher of it, but he's creating more than Broussard in a limited sample and Benino ever did. Yep. If if the Penguins are looking to acquire a winger, uh, Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic is talking about <clears throat> the Penguins kicking the tires on Michael Furland from Carolina. Yeah. I like it. I also know that there was a – I believe it was, it was either Sean Leahy or Adam Gretz on NBC wrote a piece about how um, – buyers should beware of Furland unless it's just for a rental just because of what he's going to command given the market and um, what he does. So if the Penguins want to go after him for strictly a deadline rental, I'm 100% for it, but re-signing him might, might, not, might be a non-starter. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm all about holding on to first round picks. Yeah, yeah, that's that was the next thing. The price that was being talked about was to involve a first round pick, which I'm not about giving that up for a guy like Furland. No, no, not at all. The, no, the, and, and here's the other thing I'll say about that is, is that like I'm very I feel very buoyed, I guess, in my confidence in the Penguins of the draft, considering what they walked away from uh, or walked away with last year, having two you know, really not that great first selections. And Kalen Addison and, and Philip Hollander are great players. I think they will both play in the National Hockey League. That's that's great considering where they were at. So I'd love to see the Penguins, you know, with a, a pick inside the top 30 to see what they could do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the we're, – we're to the point now with the Crosby, Malkin, Latang core. We're at the – Point now where you have to stop dealing first round picks and hold on to them. Well, I, w- I wouldn't even say that. I would say you just have to be pick your spots where you want to start using them. Yeah. It ha- okay. Yeah, you're right. I would all, I would say I would put a caveat on that that it has to be if you're going to deal it, you have to get somebody that you have a few years of control for. Yeah, um, making a splash trade for Derek Broussard last year, getting getting a half a season and then a full season. Um, out of it, but but just for a rental, I'd say absolutely not. Right, right. You can't you can't flip a first rounder for a rental at this point. You need to start hanging on to your picks, especially your early picks. Given that we're getting to the back nine of their careers, yeah. And there's nothing better than getting you know that Jake Gensel burst 
out of a player on that entry level contract that's just producing out of his mind and you get him on the cheap for a while, you know, that, that's necessary given yeah. the environment, regardless of whether or not the cap's going to go up. So um, looking around the corner tomorrow night, Monday night, Penguins, Devils, something about the Devils recently in the Penguins just – have we played them oh, yet this year at all? I believe we have. Yes. Yeah, there, there was the Brian Boyle hat trick game at That's PPG. Right. Yeah. Shockingly enough, the Devils were forgettable to me. <laughs> that was just a horrible game. Oh, it was awful. Awful. Uh, and then the big one Wednesday night. I can't wait. Penguins Lightning. We get our first uh, measuring stick game here. Yeah, I was going to say litmus test. He went with measuring stick. Yeah, we'll take them both. There will, also, there will also be a, uh, a Pens blog event happening Wednesday night, if I can plug that. You might have missed it since you were unavailable last week, Jesse. It'll be another event similar to the three-on-three challenge involving with it. What myself and Peep. Peep and I will be going to Franctuary before the game. We will be <laughs> at the game. And we're going to do the Win It Wednesday challenge. Which, which is, is? You eat... Three hot dogs in two minutes or less, and you get half off your tab. Three hot dogs in two minutes or less. Yep. Are there toppings? From what I can tell from Franctuary's tweet, it looks like there is, but I don't believe they're required. Okay. Now, what have you done to prepare for this event? Nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> okay. Are you going to train in any way? Are you going to? Uh, well, on Wednesday, I'm going to um, not eat a lot during the day. <clears throat> so I think you're making a mistake, though, because here's the thing, like, Pat, you, you got to get a baseline of how long it takes you to eat one hot dog. See, I, I agree, but I also want to see what I can do just you know, see where my baseline <laughs> is, like when I do the challenge, you know? Okay. See if you I can go, go after it again. You can go... All buns, then all dogs. I don't know. See, that's the thing. It's, um, I got to spend. You, you should have thought about this already. You see, it, it, that was you're my, already you're already behind. behind we're already yeah, see, but we're we're recording on Sunday night. Monday and Tuesday, we're going to be strategy days. So when you're hearing this, I'll be strategizing, and I'll also be strategizing tomorrow as well. <clears throat> okay. Because hot dogs were on my grocery shopping list this week. All right. I'm skept- I'm skeptical given the lack of training. Yeah, I'm a little <laughs> concerned. I'm not going to lie. God, I love, the, I love the support of this podcast. You yeah. guys just – I'm I just being – oh, You're not doing it. I'm just going to get it right. You're not going to do it. I'm just being – I don't want to be like – I don't want to hype you up for something yeah. that is very clear you're well behind on already. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. We will. We will see. So anyway, litmus <laughs> test against Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> Um, Eight o'clock national broadcast. You got to eat a hot dog in forty seconds. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, you got to eat one hot dog every forty seconds. I think that's doable. It's pretty doable. All right, let's 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 do this. <laughs> what are we doing? No, right, sit, just sit there for a second. Are you hungry right now? Um, I mean a little bit. Right, I want you to think about. There's a hot dog in front of you. Don't you don't have to pretend you don't have to pretend to eat it. Okay, we're just gonna do 40 seconds. I want to show you what that's like. Okay, you you have to experience this. This is a requirement. Are you ready? Yeah. Because I guarantee you, Peep's not doing this right now. There's no way. He should be because he should have learned his lesson from the last time. No, Peep's bu- <laughs> Peep's busy celebrating his uh, worst of fantasy first football. Fantasy fo- worst yeah, of first, baby. All right, ready? Here we go. Whoa, whoa. That's my alarm. (laughs) Off to a rollicking start on whatever we're doing here. (laughs) All right. Here we go. And we're off. Now you got that hot dog. You probably, you know, we don't know if you're going. We'll just assume you're not separating bun and dog at this point. What does the hot dog probably You probably got at least one bite down by now, right? You're going in for your second one. You're chewing as fast as you can, trying to breeze through this thing. Now you're going in for another bite halfway. Uh-oh. <laughs> now you're panicked. And now you got a lot in there. You go, oh, 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 oh. I got a lot in there trying to chew, chew, chew. Well, and, 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 and this is where you make a big mistake because now you overbite. Ten seconds left. Now you've still got a chunk in your hand. And you're trying to – now you go, oh, I'm going to take a sip of water before you can even get that last chunk in your mouth. Yep, boom, there it is, 40 seconds. <laughs> now you're, so now you're behind. Now you can eat the next hot dog in 35. <laughs> 
No way. You going to go uh, toppings or no? No, probably not. Okay, I feel, so just I, remember, Pat, this is as much about a race against time as it is anything else. Yeah, and, and if you get in your own head, you're fucked. Yeah. yeah. And this was How to Eat a Hot Dog with Jesse, quote, Joey Chestnut Marshall. <laughs> I've never done it. I'm just saying this is what I would do if I was in your situation. I would have practiced like four times in the past week. Yeah. Hit the music. First question is, Pat, do you think you're going to win the challenge? Yes, I do. Wow. Well, actually- my name wasn't in there, but I'm going to go ahead and be it's on actually, record and say no. <laughs> it was actually not a question. Um, I'm, I'm also going to say I don't think – I'm sorry. Pete I don't think so. I am so pumped so. to prove you two wrong. I can't wait to have <laughs> egg on my face when I don't do it. How many people do you think are going to vomit at Franctuary? Vomit on? At Franctuary. I don't know. We'll see how packed it is. Hopefully not a lot. That'd be pretty sweet. All right. Why uh, do I tell question? you guys things? Why? <laughs> first question is from Mark. What is your least favorite thing about PPG Paints Arena? The concourse. I feel, yeah, they're still too narrow. Um, I was going to say they can't make ice properly, so they have to crank the temperature so goddamn low. Yeah, it is kind of cold in there it's always very cold uh let's see <clears throat> kyle asks what are your favorite winter recipes i mean chili's great yeah Undefe- chili. undefeated ground turkey with it i was gonna say i have uh, chili on my list and also uh like a like a pork stew maybe with some potatoes yeah not like bad a, like a pork shoulder I made bro- I made broccoli and cheddar yesterday. Oh, oh yeah, good broccoli choice. and cheddar is elite. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Aaron asks if you were stranded on a desert island and could only have one beer with you, which one would it be? I assume he means one kind of beer, unlimited supply, not just one beer, because that'd be sad. Well, yeah. Coors Light, closest thing there is the water. <laughs> Touche. Um, yeah, I would say I'm, gonna, I'm trying to stay alive here, guys. Yeah, I would say if, if I'm taking Jesse's perspective, Coors Light. If I'm taking a beer I enjoy, uh, Summer Shandy, because I'm assuming it's a tropical desert island and it's warm. Yeah, if we're going with uh, beach, I'd say a nice cold Tecate with a slice of lime. Yeah, like well, I'll go with Corona. That's a good choice, too. Uh, <clears throat> Rachel asks, what did you think of the player and puck tracking programs from the All-Star game? The puck tracking one was kind of interesting. I enjoyed it overall. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do with all that data and how they use it, but yeah, overall or, I thought it was pretty or cool. What, what, what's made available more specifically? Yeah, and, um, I, I saw a little bit about it after the fact. Um, what I thought was live during game it made things a little too busy but i think there is a good place for it from a broadcast perspective as far as replays go as far as um like telestration goes that kind of thing and i know i I know it's going to get old after a while but i did enjoy like knowing the speed of the player and the shots that were happening inside the all-star game that was really cool and i i know everybody was you know, quick to jump at, oh, they brought back the glow puck and the puck tracker. The number one complaint for casual hockey fans is that they struggle to follow the puck. So you, you have to find a remedy to that if you want to build your game. Paul Steigerwald struggled to see the puck. <laughs> it'll, yes, be a lot, it'll be a lot easier for people that are like micro tracking games and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Looking for deflections and dump ins and zone exits and all that. Uh, Mike Neurer asks, what is the worst sickness you've ever had? Oh, I got a, a real nasty stomach bug once while I was camping. Ooh. Camping. I got <laughs> I got food poisoning in college while I was on a road trip with IUP hockey. So oh. I took warm-up, <clears throat> came off the ice and got sick and then like had to take a I think a six hour bus ride back from Cincinnati with food poisoning nice um, I've been 
partially sick slash had a dry cough since episode one of recording this show. So <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to go with current. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, speaking of road trips, Jeff asks, what's your go-to road trip story where things didn't go as planned? Um, I personally can't really relate to this because I, when making travel plans, I am very detail oriented and try to make sure everything goes well. Um, the only thing I can think of is one time I was flying to Washington DC and I found a much cheaper fare. When I landed, I realized I landed at Dulles, not Reagan. Oh man. So it was like a $50 cab. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was in high school, our family took a vacation down to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and um, we got to the Breezewood part of the turnpike, and our car's battery died, so oh. that delayed us for like three hours waiting for AAA. <laughs> um, once I went to Washington, D.C., uh, freshman year of college, and uh, my friend who made the triple at swore to God he could get me there and back without like directions and on the way we got there successfully but on the way home we ended up in Gettysburg oh wow <laughs> yeah a little bit of a detour a little bit did you stop in Gettysburg or did you sure just... did no made the most of it yes oh, dude it's awesome yeah. so nice I, we were only we only had about an hour but <laughs> yeah I, I did went... every, I did everything I could inside of an hour I went there two summers ago it's awesome yeah I need to get back uh, Bioshock asks, what's the shittiest car you've ever owned and what led oh, you to getting rid of it? I mean, Christ. I, ha- I haven't had the privilege of owning mass amounts of vehicles. I had a 1987 Chevy S10 Blazer, two door. What color was it? Green. Whoa. Like, 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 like um, Hunter green, seafoam green. Dark green. Yeah. Hunter, I guess. Forest green. Forest green. Yeah. Okay. Like very, uh, yeah very dense <laughs> like, like like minnesota wild green yeah when i there got go. it yeah when i got it it probably had one hundred and eighty thousand on it <laughs> when you got it yeah oh how did you put God. on it uh 70 so 250 yeah 250 did it die yeah well one day i took it out on the road and I like went to accelerate as you normally would. I had made a turn off a side street onto the main road and it wouldn't go out of first gear. So I have only owned two cars in my life. My current <clears throat> car, I have a 2013 Chevy Cruze. My first car was a 2005 Hyundai Elantra. And when I moved to Utica back in November of 17, I knew it was on its last leg, but it still made the trip like all the way up. And when I, when I moved there and made it, and I actually made a trip back to Pittsburgh and back to Utica in the same car and it didn't die. Uh, December, I was on the highway and I'd only been living in Utica about a month and a half. My, my car used to do this thing where when it was low on engine coolant, when I was idling, it would heat up. And mm. then when I would start accelerating, it would go back to normal. Sure. It's a vacuum pulling it through the yep. intake of the engine. Yeah. So it happened. That happened one morning and I was like, okay, low on coolant. So I stopped at the gas station, picked up some coolant, <coughs> filled it up, started driving down the highway and it did not stop getting heated. So I, at the time had like 180,000 miles on it. And I get it. It keeps doing that. I get it towed to a mechanic. The mechanic's like, yeah, so uh, your radiator exploded. And I went, "Hmm." Uh, yeah, you can go ahead and trash that thing. I'm going to buy a new car. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My second worst car I ever owned was a 1994 Chevy S10 Blazer. I'm sensing a pattern here. Yeah. Uh, you, you are. Do you, you are. Do you do you currently drive a Chevy S10 Blazer? <clears throat> no, uh, I don't. But uh, what had happened was my mom and my grandfather and my grandmother and my uncle all had Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> like they would just cycle through them, and I think my grandfather actually has the last one that still works in the state of Pennsylvania right now. That's but true. the yeah. Anyway, oh, go that's ahead. fantastic. 
Uh, <clears throat> Ord asks, worst Penguins trade you were all in on it first? Oh, um, Marcel Gotch. I thought he was going to be the depth piece we needed. Nope. Same same vintage, Maxim Lapierre. Oh, yeah, that was bad, too. Jerome Aginla. Same thing there. You could go with any three that were required that year. Jerome Aginla, Brendan Morrow, Doug Murray. Yeah, but the problem there was, I mean, Morrow and Murray were definitely square peg round hole. Aginla was just used in the wrong way by right. Biles, motherfucking idiot. I still hate it, though, for that reason. I'm, I'm uh, not over that. Even two Stanley Cups later, I'm still not over that. Uh, Jay asks, who is your favorite player on any women's team? This is tough. Uh, no, I'm on uh, I mean, this is tough because I have a few. Like, um, I, Yeah, I was going to say, can we do more than one? <laughs> sure. Because Calgary Inferno, it's Brianna Decker. Uh, Montreal, Hillary Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, there was someone I just had and I forgot. Shit. Um, Riveters, Rebecca Russo. She's unreal. Like, if the NHL wants to get another uh, women's player to do fastest skater, get Russo. She can fly. I love Rihanna Vasali, West Ham United ladies team, who are very good, by the way, and are just flummoxing people. Um, she's my play- favorite player on that team, scoring a lot of goals. Uh, I love Healy Wickenheiser. I love Amanda Kessel. I don't love Amanda Kessel because she's Phil Kessel's brother. No, sure. I-, I love the kind of player. And I want to be very clear about that. Like, if I love the kind of player Amanda Kessel is. Um, I also just remembered I got a question yesterday evening while I was working that I forgot to put in here. I can't remember who it was from, but the question was um, is now given all this with the MWHL uh, prime time for Pittsburgh to pounce and get a franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Lemieux any comp- number of any number of places they could play. The Lemieux- I apologize to whoever's question that was, cause I can't remember. The Lemieux complex would be perfect for it. RMU would be perfect for it. Um, and given the turnout from the 2017 NWHL all-star game and skills competition, both days sold out. Like, you market this team correctly, people will come. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question about that. If you build it, they will come. Yep. Uh, David asks, if you were remodeling someone's house for a job and found $10,000 in cash, clearly old bills in the wall or ceiling, would you tell the homeowner? Yes. I agree because I feel like they'd give you a cut. Yeah. Um, Also, thoughts on the black and white Penguins jerseys from the All-Star game? Love Love them. Yes, agreed. Um, I mean, the, the reason is like they overthink the All Star jerseys every single year. They went simple and they were great. Yep. Frank asks, <clears throat> "What is your opinion on the biggest trade deadline position want for the Penguins and a realistic trade target for them?" See, I haven't like I'm. This is like around the time I'd start looking at really what's available, like who, what names are getting thrown out there because we're past the All Star game. I mean, I would love Furland, but if the price, asking price is a first rounder, I'm not. Yeah, I never, I never get into the speculation side on who they'll bring in, but I would like to see them get a winger. Yeah. And last question is a second question from Bioshock. What is one part of history you love consuming any type of media on? It could be a battle, war, ideology, country, etc. Uh, the Pacific Theater of the World of World War Two. Did you say Pacific Theater? Yes. yes. Like the Pacific part of the war. Oh, 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 okay, okay. There was yeah. the Atlantic yeah. Theater, the Pacific Theater. Yep, okay. That, t- that took me a minute, sorry. Um, no, you're right. Read a fucking book. God damn you guys. <laughs> um, I've been really diving deep into American political history and not just like the who got elected and why, just like what was going on in the moment, like in what led to elections, as well as... Um, after you finish listening to us, obviously, 
Um, another good podcast to listen to is The Dream, and it's all about the prevalence and development of pyramid schemes in the United States, and it's pretty wild listen. Um, I wouldn't say I like any specific part of history, but I do spend a lot of time on Wikipedia reading about um, significant historical criminals. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, like I, I spent an hour the other day reading about Bernie Madoff. Great podcast um, out there where it's like a five or six, seven episode podcast where the uh, guy talks on the phone to Bernie a lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Can't remember the name of it, but it's out there. Another, You'll find it. Another thing I got, <laughs> another thing I got into, um, it's really easy to watch and it's easily digestible, is uh, CNN's Decade series. They have one for the 80s, the 90s, yeah, and the 2000s. Yeah, I've heard that's good. Yeah. Those are really good. I'm going to watch the Fire Festival documentary after this. So oh, yeah, i got to watch those. <laughs> yeah. We got anything else, Mike? Yeah, no, anything- no, that was the last question. Anything we're plugging here? I just wrote an article about the Penguins power play. Read it. I think there's something else you should plug because we've been on a break. Oh yeah, we were on PDO cast. Yeah, dying alive on the uh, on the old PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich uh, two weeks ago. Shout out to Dmitry. Yep. I believe that the name of the episode is Big Booty Magic. It is. <laughs> yes. I have nothing to plug for the record. I, I plugged my. Challenge coming up on Wednesday, and I, you guys saw the haters and losers on this podcast. I don't think I can do it. Okay. All right, let's hit them with the vine of the week, and uh, we'll uh, be back to talk to you guys next week. How did you take down Captain America? We shot him in the legs because his shield is the size of a dinner plate, and he's an idiot.